0: to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impacts Director of Web and Interactive Content. Hi, Justin Champion. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm concerned, however, you don't appear to be in a vehicle or um, elsewhere. You appear to actually be in a place with like four walls and a roof. I know it's a little weird champion who are you
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I, uh after last year's uh workshop that I did the workshop series where I was traveling for it was about seven months um on the way back my wife and I found we knew that we wanted to move to Asheville North Carolina we found that out along the trip we've been to so many places and luckily it's kind of funny like we were we traveled through the area we're in Asheville for one day the first house we saw was like our dream house put an offer on it and now we're here we're still going to be traveling I have some ideas of how I'm gonna be traveling, so when we speak again, maybe I'll be in the back of a van instead of a truck, but for now, um, I am in my house.
0: So right now, instead of the unbound inbounder, you're the the bound inbounder? That doesn't sound HR appropriate. Okay, moving on. Hi, (laughs) welcome back. For those who don't know who you are, who are you?
1: I am the content professor for HubSpot Academy, so I am creating anything content marketing related, and if anything, I am focusing on just helping Uh, HubSpot's larger marketing team creating education at a much faster rate. So we're producing uh, educational courses um, much faster in 2019 and beyond, which I'm really excited about.
0: In fact, we're going to be talking about one of your new lessons today because for those who do remember you, you and I talked in the very, very first episode of Content Lab ever when it was just a little baby. Mm -hmm. Um, about topic clusters and pillar content and one of the key things that you and I talked about that people that you said was like one of the big things that people miss is that there's the pillar strategy there's the topic cluster strategy but you have to be as maniacal about link building as you are about building the cluster and the content itself And what's really fascinating about that is that most people, when you hear about link building, it's like, oh, you know, so you've built this great piece of content, now go get backlinks. It's like, do I go to Trader Joe's and and fight the moms and yoga pants and like next to the lemon curd and like the little bite-sized packets of olives, there are my links? Like, I don't understand. Like nobody ever explains it. They're just like, go, go get the backlinks. And so I really am excited to talk to you about this today. Because this is the thing I think people miss.
1: It's the thing I'm most excited about. Um, and it's the thing that people need most to be successful. Um, I, hearing people tell you that the solution is creating more content, even if it's quality content, is is not the answer. Like that is one part of the equation. But if you want your content, I mean, you might create quality content that. Uh, your audience finds helpful, but if a search engine doesn't understand from an authority perspective how helpful that content is, then it's going to be really hard to surface it to actually get visibility to your audience unless you know you're doing paid ads. so uh, I did a lot of experimenting last year that really could help people understand how to focus on creating quality content and then using that content in a strategic way to help build links back to your site very practically like uh, this lesson that I have a part of the business blogging, strategy course for HubSpot really gets in depth of like how to focus on step by step of actually going about link building from how to find opportunities, how to pitch opportunities and how to use the content you're creating. So you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. So link building is a facet of content creation, not necessarily an afterthought. So when you think about going to Trader Joe's, you can go to that sample line where everybody is and actually get your food quickly and get out of there and make sure that you actually have that roadmap, which I think is helpful.
0: As a, as a very, very basic person, I appreciate that you leaned in like a champ to my Trader Joe's metaphor. But just to clarify, when we're talking about link building, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, so many questions are coming into my brain all at once. When we're talking about link building first, however, what we're really specifically talking about today is guest blogging. And what I find fascinating about the fact that you're really focusing on that is that given that marketers love to declare everything dead as soon as it starts to take a breath, guest blogging is one of those things where I have heard in the past that it's not as effective as anymore as it used to be, or, you know, it just doesn't work. And it, and I'm curious to get your take on that. I mean, obviously the answer is you're into it and you're behind it, but I want to understand the why, because I'm hearing from so many people that guest blogging as a link building strategy isn't sustainable or effective.
1: Right. I mean, Matt Cutts even years ago said that guest blogging was going to be dead, that it would not help from an authority perspective. And I mean, if you go and actually Google that, you'll see how many times that response has been uh, rebuttaled from other industry thought leaders. And it's effective if you approach it with the right mindset. Um, you have to really wanna provide value first to somebody else. When you think about uh, managing a blog and the, uh, having a continuous flow of helpful content um, and having a team that can create that content, when you approach it from that perspective and you know that somebody else is trying to, uh, what type of content they're creating, the whole goal of guest blogging is to show another organization that you, can, that you wanna provide value to them. It's really not about you. It really is about what value you can provide them. And by doing that, it can be effective by getting a link back to your site. Now, a lot of times um, link building could be kind of difficult with uh, guest blogging because more authoritative websites that you write for. For instance, if you were to write for um, an agency uh, or uh, a smaller brand that might not have as much authority, then you might be able to get a link. But if you're writing for like Ink or Forbes, it might be more difficult to get a link, but at least you're getting the authority from a perspective where um, you're getting your name out there. So from a guest blogging perspective, Link building is definitely a valuable um, tactic if you approach it with the right mindset. But guest blogging as a whole and getting your brand out there, then you might organically get people linking back to you. So even if you're not getting inbound links, um, which is just a link coming from another site to yours and a guest blog post, um, guest blogging and getting your name and your business out there uh, can be helpful because it turns you into a thought leader.
0: I totally agree with that. And it really reminds me of something that I'm guilty of. And I think almost every marketer is guilty of and I remember hearing this on the HubSpot Skill Up podcast, which was about link building. Mm -hmm. It was probably one of the most fascinating episodes I've ever read. or or ever listened to rather. Uh, And if anybody's interested, it's the creating linkable content episode. Mm -hmm. But they talk about the fact that, especially if you're a marketer, we have this tendency to find a strategy and to just deploy, (laughs) you know, like we don't really think about it. We're like, okay, we're gonna guest blog. We're gonna guest blog everywhere and we're just gonna crush it and get everywhere and in front of everybody. And it sounds like guest blogging as a link building strategy works, but only if you pump the brakes take a step back and act much more strategically about it because guest blogging will be dead and it will not work for you. It sounds like if you're just going to, you know, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, because that means you're doing everything kind of half-assed and not, 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 anything really well.
1: And who wants to do anything half-assed? You're not going to get value. You're going to make your brand. You're going to end up working really hard and not smart. Really the best way if you want to become a, an effective guest blogger, and potentially build valuable links back to your site, which are gonna help increase your authority and get your content seen on, on search engines and, and just help uh, you know your overall business's visibility, um, is you need to have a very strong content plan. You need to create some really remarkable content for your own website first. That's, that's the way that I do it, because I like to solve for small to medium-sized businesses, people who throughout my career have worked in startups, so I know what it's like having lean resources. So And you know how much I value uh, repurposing content and using it in a different way so the best way to approach this is find a way to get value for you first and then repackage that value that you have in different ways to provide new value and meaning for some somebody else and in this case like a guest blogging series so when we talked last time about creating you know pillar content where you create like you were I mean I see you as a thought leader with creating pillar content and having topic clusters from the experiments that you do and the content that you create and I think honestly, for every pillar page that you've created, I bet you could create over 10 really valuable guest blog posts by repurposing that content, maybe structuring it in a different way. Maybe you change up the examples in it. Maybe you are splitting off that content for a specific series, but doing that, like you, you're putting your focus on your business first and making sure that you're providing the value there that you're looking for. And then you just need to become an expert of how you can repackage that into a guest blogging series. Um, and that's where it comes in.
0: Okay, flattery gets you everywhere, number one. <laughs> uh, so number two, all right, so we've been speaking about this broadly, right? We're talking, I've imagine people are listening to this and going, okay, so guest blogging, not dead, need to not beat it like a dead horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that first step for me as a marketer or a content creator who is at that small to medium sized business? You know, how. what is the first step forward that I take in creating my guest blogging strategy?
1: it is making sure that the content you're creating is worthy enough for you to even reach out and provide value to somebody else. Like you shouldn't even be thinking about guest blogging unless you are already creating content that is helpful. That is something where you could be able to, somebody would see the content that you have because for instance, the guest blogs that I write, um, are anywhere from 1500 to 3000 words. Now that sounds like a lot of content. People are like, who has the time to do that? Well, you have the time to do that if you have a pillar page that's 10,000 words. So if you create a pillar page that has a lot of content on it that's really helpful, then you can use that content strategically. So what I would say is instead of thinking about guest blogging, think about like your, your content strategy. Like if you wanna create, let's say right now you are already creating pillar content. We've talked about that. Maybe people have put it to practice. My recommendation would be beef up that pillar page. Make it something that's valuable. In um, an experiment that I did on my on my personal site, um, my uh, Wild We Wander, that alternative lifestyle brand that I have, I have a uh, web page on how to become a digital nomad. And now, keep in mind, when I started this website two years ago, it didn't have any authority on it; it was at zero. So, like Google doesn't even know who we are. So, what I did was is within two months, uh, well, I created that pillar page within ten hours. That was my experiment. I wanted to create as much value as I could, got the content out there, and then once I did that. I restructured the content and created five guest blogs and was able to get those spot and build links back to the page. And in two months, I got that page ranking on the first page of Google. So the idea is, is that if you want to be, again, the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you're providing value for yourself first, because at the end of the day, you want to rank. And to do that, once you create that content, then you can have an opportunity to become a guest blogger because you're not approaching and guest blogging with writing content unique, like that would be so hard. If I was trying to get uh, wild, we wander ranking without repurposing my content, I wouldn't have enough time to do that. It's just my wife and I creating content. So you need to have content first to work with is my, is my recommendation.
0: So here's my question though. So when, when you say to me something like, well, you know, just go to that pillar and create some repurposed guest blogs out of it. I understand that, but that's because like I live and breathe this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of marketers, they're being forced to wear a lot of hats. So can we walk people through that process that you and I go through natively and instinctively? Like, let's say I have a piece of pillar content, right? Mm -hmm. And um, like, for example, I did one on blogging tips and in it, I have a section about how to pick a topic, how to write an introduction, how to write a conclusion, how to get over writer's block. Um, oh my God, what else is in this thing? It was so massive. How to title my blog, um, how to format, format my blog. So people don't hate looking at it. What would you do if that was your pillar? How would you pick the topics that you were going to write about and how would you make it different enough?
1: Exactly how you, uh, how you started approaching it. You want to find out the, uh, the, opportunities of segmented content throughout that page so as an example with this guest blogging for seo lesson that i created with this blogging course i turn it into its own case study where there's five videos there's why is guest blogging a critical piece of your blogging strategy there's how to create a guest blogging strategy there's how to find opportunities for guest blogging there's how to pitch a guest blog and then there's how to write a guest guest blog author bio so by doing that I've essentially given myself five, four or five different opportunities out the gate to be able to uh, repurpose that content. Now, you want—you're right. You don't want to copy and paste that content because that again would be half-assing it. So, what you could do, so for instance, in the let's use the example of how to write a guest blog author bio. Uh, I probably could do ten different guest blogs on that one uh, specific idea just by choosing different blog author bios. Like, I could choose your blog author bio. I could choose somebody else's. So by changing up the example, you're making the content fresh, but you're still talking about the same thing. So one thing that there's two, there's two ways of going about it. The first one is segmenting content and finding the themes, right? Like with this specific lesson, like I said, maybe there's a guest blog I want to do on how to create a guest blogging strategy. Then maybe there's one on how to do a guest blog author bio. So you can have similar content, but if you change up the examples and make it fresh for somebody else, you can essentially be saying the same thing, but you're showing a different example. So by doing that, you're not going to have duplicate content issues and you're providing value for somebody else. Um, it's a technique that Age Refs, um, uh, an SEO company, uh, they're, they're a great SEO company who I recommend checking out for this specific tactic. Um, but it's they call it splintering. So it's it's like f- creating a big piece of content, breaking it into different themes, and then using different examples for those themes. You could probably, if you became an expert at this, you could become a killer guest blogger by getting your name out there by understanding how to do those three things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like let's uh, so using my example, mm-hmm. this is me putting myself through my own pop quiz so professor please tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> so I have a, a whole section obviously in this blogging tips guide that essentially teaches people the the six formulas you can use to create amazing introductions. So I've actually written about this topic before. and This is where I think it can get tricky for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something that's a much broader expansion of a blog article that I wrote for Impact. So I don't necessarily just want to re-synthesize it again, but something creative I could do is instead of saying, okay, my guest blog is going to just be a reworded version of the six formulas for a blog introduction, I could say these are the X ways you should never start a blog introduction and this is what you should do instead. Yes. That way that's, becomes fresh content. Honestly, that is another, that is even another way. That's even more
1: of a strategic way of thinking about it. So it's <laughs> like, I like to think about the building blocks of like, just helping people think of the themes first and then the examples. But what you just did, did there was super creative because it's like, you're, you're switching the narrative. You're saying these are, the, uh, these are the things you shouldn't do and here's the one thing you should do. You could even take it a step further and, and split it out to like three things you shouldn't do and have two different articles. Oh yeah. Now, if you have enough content to make it valuable, you don't wanna send, my recommendation is don't ever make your guest blog less than 800 words. And based on how authoritative the website is, Um, For instance, if it's, you want to go to websites that have a domain authority between 20 to 70, and you can find this for free easily on using Moz's Link Explorer. You get 10 free uh, domain authority, look. uh, you can look at it 10 10 times a month. But if you do that, like if you go for a higher website, like a higher domain authority website, then you might want to do like 1,500 to 3,000 words but it's like you can just don't go below 800 words is my as my recommendation because you want to make sure you're providing value first and if it's less than 800 it might not provide value.
0: Oh yeah, I mean at this point, you know, when you're looking at any any websites that have any sort of credibility, if they are going to be taking time out of their content calendar to put you on it, you better be bringing your A game. Mm -hmm. And 800 words and below, yeah, you might be bringing value, but how deeply are you going really into any topic that they couldn't do themselves? Mm -hmm. I've always found that like once you get beyond the 1,000 word threshold, especially in a guest blogging context, that's where you start differentiating yourself from oh, this is something that they could be writing on their own to this is expertise that I'm bringing to the table. There's, it's just, it's the numbers. It's how they bear out. Okay. So we have these great articles and thank you for answering that question because I want to actually take a step back for a moment to mention something. One of the most common questions I get about pillar content is, you know, I have been writing these blogs already. And so they then kind of repurpose them and bring them together into their piece of pillar content. So mm-hmm. when they go out to bless guest blog in the world, it can be really hard to think like, do I just rewrite this again? Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. right, you have to be like a storytelling expert. That's the, it all comes back to creating great content and being a storyteller. Cause if you can do that, you can, just like you did, you're a storyteller. Cause you spun the content you created in a different angle and anybody can like, that's why it's so valuable to really just become a great, like a remarkable content creator because all this other stuff is gonna come from that but you really need that trait if you want these other things to follow.
0: A hundred percent. So now that we have these super creative and strategic amazing guest blog ideas, what do I do? What's my next step? Do I go ahead and start? So this is where I think people get a little bit confused and honestly sometimes I do too. Because using the context of the guest blog article that you wrote for us, you already had it written out. But I know for some places, they don't want you to have it written out yet. They may want an outline. They may want all of these different processes. So mm-hmm. what are your best practices for what you do next once you've identified the piece of content that you're trying to promote, the different topics that you really want to be guest blogging about in order to promote that piece of content in a guest blogging capacity? Like, what's my next step?
1: Great question. I think the first thing, just like, um, and a lot of this is explained in, in very much detail in this lesson. So I can get some high level points that'll help. But I think that the big one that I would recommend first is if there's a specific influencer in your industry, um, searching for them first, like just do it. Just do a search on that person's name, because if they have guest blogged and, and if, they're, if they're a guest blogger, um, their profile will come up on, on, on Google. Like it'll scrape it and it'll pull them in. You'll be able to see where they actually guest blog. So that's a good place to actually see what places are starting to guest blog based on, you know, industry thought leaders within your space. Um, and let's say you do find some blogs that that do offer guest blogging. Like um, And actually, even before I go there, like another way you can do it is you can even Google like guest blogging and your industry. Like in the lesson that I created, like I have... 10 different formulas that you can just plug into Google and you'll pop out which blogs actually exist. You can even go to Twitter and type in that same formula and you'll find it because when people promote guest bloggers, like I did a lot of guest blogging over the past two months and all the tweets that people were tweeting about the articles I wrote say guest blogging it. So if you're typing for my name or for my industry and type in guest blog, you'd be able to see all of them and then you know the sources that I guest blogged on so that I can give you an opportunity of finding out who to go for. So finding the opportunities first is – is the first thing you're gonna to wanna to do. Um, the next thing would be looking at the domain authority of those sources. You wanna find out, is it something that's valuable? Like for instance, if I found one that was a domain authority of 80, which is really high, it might be harder to get a placement there and you might not even get an inbound link. Usually the inbound links are easier to get when you get a domain authority between 20 to 70. So document like the, brand, the, the blog, then document the domain authority And then the last thing is look at the content that they have on their site. What's performing well? Like when you, most blogs will tell you most popular posts, find out what content's working for them. And the reason why you want to do this is because when you want to reach out to this person, when you want to reach out to this company, you want to make sure that you're pitching ideas and showing them that you've already done research. Like if somebody looks half-assed again, like they say, they reach out to me and it's a like almost like an email guest blogging blast, I might not really look at it. I, c- I can tell, but if somebody's like, "Hey, I love this article that you wrote. Um, I have an idea for an article that I think could be helpful." If you can personalize that email outreach, it's going to be that much more effective for you. And the only way you can do that is actually just looking at the site and doing a little bit of research prior to reaching out. You're not—it's not like a shotgun. It's not blasting as many, um, you know, buckshot. You're trying to be personalized, but you can—that doesn't mean you can't have templates, which I've also created that help you do somewhat of where it looks like personalized outreach, but you can scale it.
0: Once I have this list, so I've just to kind of recap very briefly. I've gone out into the world, I already have some ideas, of some of the places that I may be interested in guest blogging, mm-hmm. I check out the domain authority, I essentially make my little short list, then I go through each one, I do some research on what they're already writing about, not just to see how can I personalize my message, but also to see you know, I don't want to pitch them something they really already have, um, yeah. or if there's a way to make it better or improve it. Um, so then what's next?
1: the warm up, So like even before pitching them, and I think this is actually really effective. I did this throughout my career. When I, I uh, graduated college, when the economy was really in the tanks and it was difficult finding a job in, in 2008, 2009. And the way you, you want to stand out, you want this company to see you before you want them to know who you are before you actually reach out and the, through email. And the way I recommend that is if you find a blog that you want to blog for uh, make a comment on their blog post. Um, Maybe there's a specific blog that you found and you make a meaningful comment on it. And generally when you comment on a blog, they're gonna comment back to you so they know who you are, they see they're actually engaging with you. The next thing would be to share that on social media, tag the blog author if they have a Twitter handle, tag the company, make a unique message of what you liked about that post and send people there. So again, it's another way that this company is seeing that you're engaging with them. So you're not just engaging with them on their blog, or just on social media, you're hitting for all these angles. So when you reach out through email, you can even say again, like, "Hey, you know, I love this article. You probably saw my comment, and that's why I would love to blog help you blog with this." So, like, if you're trying to go, if you're new um, to guest blogging, I think putting a little bit more time in the warm up is going to be much more helpful from a success rate because this it's not like the the company might take more time looking at the email because it'd be like this name looks familiar. Um, because they, they've popped up in a couple of different areas. So I think that is my, probably my most helpful recommendation for people getting started is, is warm up. Don't just reach out via email, like take the time to engage on social media and their blog first and use that in your email pitch. Cause it'll go a long way.
0: So if we were to use kind of more human language around it, you know, the, the first step in really of creating a guest blogging strategy in the short term, meaning for the piece of content that you have in front of you right now, Mm -hmm. and also the long term is to really focus on developing relationships.
1: 100%, and I think it's valuable because if you, once you develop a relationship, and I'm glad you said that, that's one of the points I discussed in in the, the blogging course is once you develop a relationship, do everything you can to nurture it because that could lead to more opportunities. Now keep in mind, an inbound link from a website is going to be the most valuable the first time they link to you. So you don't want to just become a guest blogger for one site. It'll be valuable to continue to get inbound links, but you want to distribute your links across many different sites because then it looks like you're getting authority from a lot of other places as opposed, as opposed to all one source. But if this contact likes you and you have a good relationship, they might rec- recommend you to somebody else and that and that can help. Like you, you want to be genuine, right? Like this person's helping you out, you want to make sure that you're going above and beyond and seeing like, how can you find ways to help them? And one thing you can do, let's say you do get a guest blog opportunity, and this is a tactic I'm not sure many think about, is it can be difficult because uh, most businesses, um, let's say a business doesn't want you to link to your website, right? Like they don't want to give you an inbound link. If you already have guest blogs that are out there, like for instance, if, if you're trying to build a relationship with your contact, then build a link to that article because if that's linking to your article, then you're building this topic cluster where it's like, maybe you did a guest blog that didn't link to your website, but you linked to another article you wrote about that did link to your website. So that'll still help from an authority perspective. And then you can go back to your contact and tell them, Hey, like wanted to let you know, I did another guest blog and I built a link to this article. So that's the best thing you can do from a relationship perspective is continue creating value for the things that you've done. So the way you have to do this, though, is you have to document every single blog you've done and visualize what this large topic cluster looks like. And really, the topic cluster, this whole methodology, is made up of all links, not just your website. Like When you think about like, all these guest blogs, like those links are probably the most valuable assets, a part of your topic cluster.
0: Now we're at that point where I feel like, even for me, I'm not kind of playing, you know, Ellen Page in Inception where I'm super dumb and asking all the questions that the audience wants to know of what's going on. Like, this is where I genuinely struggle. So I've built all these relationships. Mm-hmm. What does that pitch look like? Do I already have something in the hopper? Should I already have written some of these things out? Or do I pitch and then write?
1: I honestly think it's helpful. Um, I love coming up with ideas and constantly writing things. Sometimes they, they see the light of day and they turn into something big, but other times if it doesn't work, I see it as practice. I see it as ways that I might be able to use that some, somewhere down the road. So what I would actually recommend is build, like create a Google folder uh, in Google Drive, create a uh, drive folder and start creating different guest bl- Like if you have the content, create the guest blogs. Because what you can do is if you have a repository of like, like, let's say 10 uh, guest blogs and you haven't even reached out to anybody yet, the best thing you can do when you're reaching out to somebody is offer them a couple of working titles. You might need to change the content around a little bit, but then end the article with something like, but if there's something specific that you're looking for, let me know and I'm happy to help. But generally, if you pitch a couple of ideas to them, some that you already have, then chances are um, you're giving yourself the best ability to scale what you're doing. So to answer your question, I think definitely focus on creating a repository of guest blogs and know that you might need to adjust. Like for instance, I just did a guest blog with Moz where I had two articles that I was going to write, but because it what, Moz is a, a high authoritative SEO company, they if you want a guest blog for them, you need to create great content. So I submitted an over 3,000 word guest blog for them, which is I mean, it's pretty hefty, but I took two of my guest blogs and combined them and made a bigger story because of that opportunity. So think of the repository that you have as, as a creative ideas that could be formed or they could be combined based on the opportunity that comes out because you might not know what you get. So you just want to be prepared.
0: I really like that idea too, because here's the thing, I think people think very literally about how they pitch. They assume just because they've written something that, that they have to lead with the fact that they already have the document. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll probably get into pitch best practices here in a second, but I love your idea of just creating the habit of writing instead of writing to an assignment, because if you've gone out of your way to at least create these base drafts, because that's really how I would envision them, you know, like I would probably have like, this is my basic introduction. These are really the points I want to make where I've really focused a lot on the body of it, but the intro and the conclusion might be a little bit lighter so I can adapt it to whomever I'm writing to. But that makes it so you don't have to go okay now they've accepted me i have to write 3000 words or 1000 words it allows you to kind of frankenstein what you need together without having to upend your schedule on the off chance that someone has said yes
1: exactly and i think cr- writing is such a creative outlet that when inspiration strikes like i'll just i'll start writing things like when it hits me because i don't want to forget it cuz like if if a, if i don't do it at that time then chances are it might go to you and then maybe you produce it. And I'm like, man, I had that idea and I didn't work on it. So create value in the near term for yourself. Build these ideas, constantly practice. The more you write, the more you make it a habit. I forget how many words Stephen King had as a quota for writing a day, but he, I think it might've been, I can't quote it because I don't know the exact amount, but he had an exact amount of words that he would at least write a day. And I think by doing that, like maybe you're writing content for your site, maybe it's turning into guest blogs, like just make it a point to write because if you want to have the opportunity to, uh, provide value by sending content to somebody else, you said it really well right there. Like if I had to create an idea from scratch, it would take a lot more work. There's a lot more anxiety. Could I actually do this with my bandwidth? So the more you give yourself, like, and if you're working with somebody on an idea and they say, Hey, we'd love an idea on this. You can actually go look through the repository of guest blogs that you have on hand and say, Hey, that's fine. That might take me Two weeks to produce, but I do have this article if you find if you might find value in this. So like it gives you room to leverage and help somebody with something that they might not know to ask for. So just as the creative outlet, you should always be writing. And then by doing that, you're going to find a way to use that to your advantage in the future. It's it's a skill set that it takes a while. I've been doing this for years and I'm and I'm always learning new things. So that's why it's so important to not approach it where you're just trying to get inbound links. You should approach it be by wanting to create content that's going to be helpful. And if you do that
0: with that mindset, you're going to get value out of it. So this is where we get into one of my favorite like little sneaky sneak things that people always forget about topic clusters. Uh, The number one thing people always forget, which I totally did for a while, which is links need to be bi-directional. If you link out to something, it needs to link back to the pillar. I just always like to throw in that reminder because people always forget they build this beautiful thing, they link out to stuff and then they cry when nothing happens. Mm -hmm. But my other favorite thing is that people forget that your topic cluster pieces and your subtopics don't all need to be on your website. So wouldn't it be amazing? Let's use a hypothetical wish list scenario for Liz. I have this beautiful blogging tips pillar. I want to promote it more. So I wrote this great, this is these are the introductions you should never write and these are the things you should do instead and I do it for HubSpot. And I'm able to link back to my blogging tips pillar on that and then I can go into my little pillar and put another little resource that says these are the introductions you should never write and now congratulations I have a much more beefy topic cluster because you can have 30 part third-party websites as part of your topic cluster strategically of course but I think it's something people forget
1: honestly it's the biggest thing people forget yeah. um, and, and, and I'm working on a uh, workshop that's gonna be launching here in the next couple of months where I that was my main focus of it. Um, I explained in it that your topic cluster is made up of three different elements. It's like like media, like YouTube videos, right? Like YouTube videos, they don't provide any value from like a a linking perspective, but by putting a link in there, you're helping the user who might be finding that video sending to your page. So I think that's important to keep in mind with a topic cluster. Content on your website is valuable. Um, to send links to that's the second piece, but the third one and the most valuable piece of your topic cluster is inbound links now I think guest blogs is a way to do that strategically obviously any sort of inbound link is going to help your topic cluster but I think if I honestly what I would approach it as I would focus on creating a piece of uh, pillar content on on my website and the first thing I would do I wouldn't even create blogs on my website. I know that might sound a little weird but I would focus on building all the guest blogging opportunities because I'm going to get more value that way. And I'm going to make sure I strategically uh, link to it internally on my website on pages that make sense, maybe like another pillar page, but like I am focusing and doubling down on guest blogging and offering that content to other people because it's going to provide more value. The more links you do like that, the more it's just going to help your visibility overall. So I love that you said that.
0: Yep. Okay. So now I'm ready for the pitch. I've got my, Google folder full of base drafts let's just say because I'm new at this I'm a little nervous I've got three to five I'm not up to the 10 yet I'm a marketer that has to wear you know multiple hats I don't have other people supporting me on my team but I've got like three to five really solid you know 900 to 1500 word plus base drafts that I can use what do I do next I've warmed up these people I've built those relationships what happens
1: so by doing that you've already you've already warmed up you've already engaged on social media. The first email I actually wouldn't even recommend I mean first of all, you need to find who the, who the person is. you can generally find that by um, doing like a search on LinkedIn. Another little trick which I actually found uh, that's kind of funny in the in the lesson that I, uh, that I teach in the blogging course is you can't find my email address I'll just tell it to everybody in case you want to email me it's jchampion at hubspot.com but You can find one of my teammates email addresses, uh, Kyle Jepson on Google, and I can find his like nomenclature of how that email string is made. This is something I used to do in the sales world. I would find anybody whose email address existed, and then I would find a way of putting that email together and try outreach to that specific person. So that's the first thing. I wanna find that exact email address. The actual first email, I probably wouldn't try to pitch anything. I would actually make it about, about them, telling them again how much you appreciated a piece of content, that you read on their website, how it was helpful, and maybe how you even put it into practice. If you did that and you show them how it actually helped you transform, then you're just thanking this person. You're not asking them for anything. Um, and even if they don't respond, they might respond. Um, I would respond if somebody sent me that way because I mean, they're you know, thanking me for the work I created. I wanna, I wanna engage with this person. Um, but let's say they don't respond. What you can do is, is like in five days, maybe even a week later, um, you can actually make your pitch. And in your pitch, Um, I would actually recommend again, maybe listing out a specific piece of content that you liked on their blog. And I would list out, you know, I would love if there are, if there's guest blogging opportunities, I would love to uh, help you out with a couple of ideas. The one thing that I think is probably the biggest thing that shows you did the most research is before you reach out, actually Google like this blog plus guidelines, make sure if you can find that they already have, have guidelines, then you can say in the email, like, Hey, I would love to create a guest blog for you and I would make sure to follow the guest blog guidelines that that you all have and even link to it. Make them let them know that you did your homework and then give them I would say anywhere from 2 to 5, even 2 to 4 working titles. Like if you have that repository, give them working titles that you think would be helpful, but then always end with that you're willing to create any content if there's something specific that they, you know, if they want to have a discussion, if they need help on, so that you're being helpful. Um, and by doing that, like, I think that's, that's the best way of structuring. Obviously, that's very templatized, but by doing that, you could scale that, um, and then it would look personalized to everybody. You want to make each email look scale or, scale or personalized, even if it's something that's scaled.
0: I love that you recommended suggesting a few titles and then, and I'm going to admit right now, this reminds me of situations where like I've gotten Patrick to do something. And then two days later, he'll say, oh God, doing laundry wasn't my idea. It was your idea. And then I smile and I give him dinner and everything's fine. But I'm also starting to realize that I have been on the receiving end of some of this with you. And I'm like, oh, it really does work.
1: (laughs) But imagine this though. Imagine if Patrick came to you and he knows what you like to make or you like to cook. And imagine if he gave you two to four recommendations. He's at the store and he's making dinner this week. And he knows what you like what you're looking for and he tells you that right you might you might have wanted something else but generally if you are if you know your audience and you know that this content would be helpful for them and like you said earlier that it's not gonna be something that's duplicate chances are you're gonna they're gonna accept it they're not gonna they'll be like oh yeah that's on brand that makes sense just like if he knows what you want for dinner and he says hey like I'm at the store and I want these things you you might say okay yeah great get those versus like well actually I want this so it's you want to make it easy for that person to respond to you
0: so so I really ugh, I don't I'm sorry nugget is now farting so it's becoming <laughs> quite a little puppy circus in here <laughs> You know, I'm going to leave that in.
1: I think you should. I think that's good. Content lab behind the
0: scenes. I don't know whether or not that means she agrees with your strategy of offering titles or not, but we're just going to move on and assume that that's what she agrees with. All right. So what happens if somebody comes back and either says they're not interested or even worse, something that I've dealt with a lot? Um, It's silence. Because here's the thing I will say. I am on LinkedIn, obviously. I have director of web and interactive content for Impact. So I get solicited all the time from people about wanting to do guest blogs and contributions. So I know that there are a lot of other people like me, especially once you start getting into that higher realm of websites where they have a a defined publishing arm with Mm -hmm. a lot of people in it and lots of processes. People are going to run into others like me too, you know, where they're less likely to hear back. So I understand that I've gone through all of this, you know, I've gone through all of this relationship building. I've interacted with the social media, but like, let's look at impact. For example, if somebody interacts with our social, there's a good chance that I haven't seen it. We also have a website that doesn't have comments. So This is where it starts getting a little bit tricky for me because I'm noticing more and more websites don't have comments enabled and more and more organizations, especially if they're embracing this media company or brand publisher model, it's becoming harder and harder to build those relationships because just because you're building a relationship with quote, the brand, that doesn't mean you're necessarily getting yourself in front of the person who is the decision maker. So back to my original example, you know, what happens when I don't hear back or what happens if all of the effort I'm going to to break through, to stand out, isn't working? Because the reality is, is there are tons of people like me where this is just white noise, where even if it's valuable, unless it's someone like I know or I have really an established relationship with them, it's hard for me to not go, oh, another contribution request.
1: That is totally fair. and it's And it's spot on because... There is going to be a lot of situations where it is a lot more difficult, especially with me recommending this as a strategy right now. The more people that start doing it, the harder it's just going to be to get, which is when the strategy is going to have to start changing again. Um, And with something like that, that's why I recommend that when you do something on Twitter, that you're not just mentioning the brand, you're mentioning the specific person. So on Impact Site, you can see how many pieces pieces of content you've actually created when you're the author of it. And I think it would behoove somebody who did want to try to make a get seen by you would be to call you out on Twitter by actually tagging you like you can tag the brand too, but tag the specific person you're about to reach out to so the person you're warming up, you're warming up the company, but you're also warming up that person that you're trying to reach out to a lot of times that person who is the decision maker might not be the person who um, is is writing the content. So you have to try your best to be able to try to make a connection with somebody. But the way that I like to think of it, and I think the biggest way or the most helpful way to answer your question is that guest blogging is about the forest, not the trees. And what I mean by that is you can't get too hung up on wanting to write for ink.com and and doubling down and trying to get in your foot in the door uh, too long. Uh, meaning that you're wasting too much time and energy and they might not ever reach out to you. Um, I think the best thing to do is, to focus on setting an outreach goal. Maybe you want to reach out to five new people a month, um, and try building those relationships that way. Like if you have one that sticks, that's going to be, that's, that's good. If you build one new relationship every month, find out how many times you do outreach until you get a successful person wanting to, uh, to bring you on as a guest blogger. That's why you need to have that outreach and make it personalized. So it really is a process. Again, it's scaled, but you do enough to stand out and then you provide, Enough through that uh, interaction of trying to make a connection that when it does stick, it's helpful. And that's why I recommend when you're first getting started, you even said it earlier, maybe focus on sites like if they don't have guidelines or if they are a little bit of a newer site. um, Really try to pitch those people first. Develop a portfolio because one thing I didn't mention in the email is you want to also include other pieces of work that you have. And the best way to do that is to go for low-hanging fruit first. Maybe there's, maybe there's connections in your industry. Maybe there's connections with somebody at work. Find a way of just getting started, and then it's like a, it's like a, a snowman. But if you, if you reverse engineer how you build a snowman, it, it started with a snowflake that started with you know, a snowball that turned into these, all these balls that built the snowman. Maybe that's a weird analogy. But you want to go all the way down and find the ways of doing the small areas to get started versus just trying to build it from scratch at like looking at what the end looks like. You need to do things in the beginning that are going to get your name out there. And I think there's always opportunities um, that will exist. And a lot of times it's just, you got it. You got to start somewhere. And as you start building it, then start asking for more for sites like, for, like Impact, for instance. You guys have great domain authority. You have great content. If somebody were to write for you, they need to be more established. They need to probably have a connection with you. So to get in there, they would have to find, they probably have to be more known like if somebody, you might not look at somebody unless they stood out enough to you by talking about what you've done and somebody did it successfully. And there's a lot of people that could do that. But I think the path of least resistance is focusing on the low hanging fruit first and then building from there, not trying to go too high and then getting frustrated because you're
0: not seeing success. And I that is 100% true because here's something, this actually just happened to us yesterday. So um, Ramona, who's our head of editorial content, and I both are fielding tons and tons and tons of con- contribution requests a day. I mm-hmm. think I have five right now that have literally come in with them since we started talking. <laughs> 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 but there, there is a way to stand out if you are unique and if you provide something of value that's different, like it is possible. So just as an example right now, um, we are considering having someone contribute that we've never heard of before. We, we didn't know his name. We didn't know where he came from, Ooh. but he gave us some suggested titles because he said that he really wanted to provide value in a way that was different to our audience than anybody had ever done before, but in a way that was very native to him where he marries his love of inbound marketing with old Fairy tales.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: And so he pitched some of these topics, and I said, You know, we were talking about it in our Slack channel, and Ramona was saying, Oh, I don't know. And I said, If he has the work to back this up, we should see if we should do this, because that is just super cool and super different. Now, the thing that made it organic and the reason why we thought this, ended up, might, this might end up being a good idea, I don't know if he's actually listening to this podcast, so it would be kind of funny if he was, but the thing that actually made it work though is that when we took a look and we dug into who he was, what he was pitching wasn't a gimmick. So that's, I think, the thing that you need to be really careful about when you're creating these creative ideas. When we went to this person's website, we saw that this is stuff they had been writing about before. We were able to get a sense very quickly of the quality of writing that they produce. And if he's able to produce to that level, we should be in a really good spot. But that's the kind of thing where it can backfire. You don't want to create this, you don't want to stand out with a super gimmicky, crazy idea mm-hmm. that really doesn't seem organic or natural to you. But if you have a niche and you have something different, that's where your strategy that you were mentioning before of here are some suggested titles, um, this is a little bit about who I am, can really serve you well because you can stand out from what's the usual of hi, I'm so-and-so, I've been a big fan of your book for a long time, and I also write about marketing, and I write about pretty much the exact same things that you do, so hey, let's do it. you know, like that, That's a great way, I think, to stand out.
1: And what I love about that, and that goes back to the number one thing that I was saying, is that you need to be a storyteller first. You need to be able to find a way of being able to create a narrative in an interesting way. And thinking about this, like you said, you went and looked through his website uh, to find out like if he could back this up. I think it's interesting that you all took the time to do that. What would you say is the number like one or two suggestions that that email could have done to make this easier for you? Um, to keep that progress moving along of you reaching back to him quicker, like what would be one or two recommendations?
0: So to be fair, I wasn't the person who actually received the email. I only heard about it, but I think having, this is where I'm making an assumption. This is where I would say, I think there weren't links to example content. It was just to his website. Um, that could have made it more powerful, but to be perfectly honest, it was a simple, straightforward message that seemed stripped down of the usual kind of like marketing packaging that we put on everything. So I, I don't really have a good answer for that just because I a, didn't see it. And also, I really kind of liked what I was hearing. It that's was very what, direct that's, email. I think that's what I love most
1: about your answer, though, is that you heard about it from somebody else. I wish we had this person's phone number and we could call them right now. and know. Talk to them because honestly, he... He or she did such a great job of reaching out that somebody felt compelled enough, even though they didn't know who they were, to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's there's like conversations that are happening generated from this person's email. So I'm super intrigued by it. And kudos to this person.
0: Yeah, I'll follow up with you after our interview just so I could talk to you more about this because I now need to track down this email because it was just, it was kind of remarkable because it was he, it, it's what you said. It was just landing on someone who was a natural storyteller. It wasn't a gimmick. It was obviously something that was so out of left field, but so well constructed that I just stopped in my tracks and said, "Holy crap! If he can back that up, that's awesome. We need to find out if we can back if he can back this up."
1: I love it. It's it's like if you want to win the Super Bowl you need to be a better football player. If you want to win the world series, you need to be a better baseball player. If you want to be a better guest blogger, you need to be a great writer. So it's like, that's just what it comes down to is just finding a way to make it a, a process for yourself, giving yourself enough content to be able to do this and then building relationships. And just those, those things that will set you up for success. And I think even if, even if it takes time, keep at it. That's the big thing. Um, the only last piece that I would recommend that everybody do is set up a Google alert for your name and for your business because this might not be a guest blogging tactic, but like if people like your content and they're talking about it or they're talking about you or your business, a Google alert will send you a notification and that can be a way that you can reach out to somebody who is talking about you to possibly either get a guest blogging opportunity or even get a link back to your site. So when you do start guest blogging, make sure to set up Google alerts for your name and for your business because that will that will come in handy as just kind of like another low-hanging fruit to get inbound links that might be a little bit easier or even relationship starters.
0: So we talked a lot about pitches, and I really appreciate you humoring me on this because I think – The challenge for so many people is just getting their foot in the door. They Mm -hmm. have the content, they have the ideas, and it's just forging those relationships that can be so challenging. So thank you for taking me down that rabbit hole for a little bit. But there's one other component of this that you cover in this course that people definitely need to pay attention to is is the guest author bio. So, Talk about what that is.
1: Yep. The guest author bio is something you definitely don't want to overlook. Um, it's generally when you're going to sites that have higher domain authority, it's generally where your inbound link is going to exist. They might not allow it in the copy, but that is the one branding that you can really have for your brand, uh, for for uh, you or your brand that you can somewhat control. Um, and most sites that have higher domain authority or have a more established blog. They'll probably have a dedicated page for your author bio that'll show what Content you have written, so I think it's important to lead with creating a guest author bio, and, and I break it down uh, step by step of what to include in it. Um, what from like, for instance, like you could build uh, all your links to one page, or you could differentiate it in your author bio and change up the author bio for different uh, websites so that it's it's different and it's something where you're sending links to different places. Um, but when you're sending links, and this is a big one, never link to a product page. You got it. You have to, if you're going to do it, link to an educational page. That's why I recommend guest blogging is much more successful for inbound linking. If you link to your pillar page or your, your content pillar, you don't want to focus on trying to link to a product page. Or even if it's in your guest guest author bio or anywhere else, you want to focus on linking to educational pages. And I think you can get away with doing this in the author bio. Sometimes they strip it out, but, um, the author bio should be less than a hundred words. And I would say probably four, three to four sentences. Um, and be uh, be specific on who you are, your experience, and um, what you're interested in. You want to make yourself look a little bit, you don't want, like you said, you, you, you don't want, I'm just a marketer, I write content. No, you need to find a way of making yourself stand out a little bit. Like for instance, for me, I love traveling and working from the back of the truck. So if that's one thing that I want to include, like I get hit with inspiration and I write my ideas down while I'm traveling. So it's like, make yourself look a little bit more human and interesting than just making it look stale.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite bios that I actually read recently is from Stephanie Biocchi, who's our Director of Audience Engagement and Community. And as you can probably imagine, there are more than a few of us who have been furiously and frantically submitting pitches to inbound before March 1st shows up and knocks on our door when, by the way, if you're considering submitting for speaking, that closes on March 1st, uh, which is, is that tomorrow? I, it is tomorrow and I had to submit it
1: last Friday and I and I was a little bit behind too so I had to March 1st was uh if that's the that's tomorrow so I everybody probably won't hear this because this will probably come out after that
0: no it won't so it's gonna cut so if you're listening to this right now and it's the day that this came out this is your last day to submit sidebar uh if you're listening after Friday March 1st I regret to inform you that you will not be speaking at inbound <laughs> anyway Um, but Stephanie Bioki put together one where they asked you to put together like a short blurb, but then also a long form bio. And she used this really punchy language. Um, and she essentially said something to the effect of, you know, this is what I do. And I'm here to smash the stereotype of millennials just being glued to their phones with a hammer. And I'm like, that is so cool. Wow. different and powerful and and very much speaks to her personality and it's another again another great way to kind of break the rules because i think we get into this kind of robo speak about who we are what we do what value we bring to the table um even the word value is starting to really grate on my nerves like just the whole you gotta create value okay do you know what that means like does anybody really know what that means or is it just something we say you know it's like oh go out you know go to Trader Joe's, buy backlinks and create value. And I'm like, okay, is it organic?
1: <laughs> it's like the synonyms of it too. I think I've said memorable and remarkable, but like it, it you really like value in this case and going back to what you just said of doing something that breaks the norm is so important. If you do that though, you need to back it up. And it's a great example because like somebody broke the norm when they reached out to you with a guest blog idea, and then you were intrigued enough to see if they could actually fulfill it. So if you're going to break the norm, just make sure you can actually back it up because like that, it can be powerful, but it, can, but it could also be very lackluster if you, if you can't back it up.
0: So you also bring up a couple of tips here that I really want to dive into with your guest bio. Because here's the thing that I found fascinating about this portion of the lesson is that it's not just enough, like you shouldn't go to your website for your company and just copy and paste it in, which mm-hmm. is I think what a lot of people will do. And admittedly, I have totally done in the past myself, but you have a few notes here. The first one is that you should use acronyms sparingly, correct? Yes. Why?
1: I, well, a couple of things. So I also, I don't like, bar, like uh, buzzwords or jargon. Like if you, you have to be careful because if you say you're a PPC director or an SEO director, you want to make sure that people understand. I mean, you could, you, I, I try to be so consistent with the content that I create that acronyms from what I've learned with my experience can create confusion because not everybody might know exactly what that is. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just the same to say that you're a search engine or a director of search engine optimization versus I'm an SEO director. Like it's just a way of being able to make sure that people you are making sure that you're casting a wider net and being more explicit so that you're not losing somebody with like industry, industry jargon. Now I will say if you're talking for like somebody like AHREFs and you say SEO, you're gonna get away with it. But it's just it's it's a habit that i formed but one thing that I would really recommend is not calling yourself like a, a content wizard or something that is like not really. Ninjas, wizards, gurus, need not apply. Yeah, a you know, it, it's it, it stick with something that is gonna be, uh, that, that be, people can relate to. Like when people call themselves like SEO ninjas, it's really, it's like off-putting.
0: Well, think about it this way. It kind of goes back to what we talk a lot about when we think about what your brand is. And my friend, Melanie Spring, who is the founder of Branded Confidence, she always says your brand is what everybody else is saying about you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really important to keep in mind because you think about that from a company perspective, but it very much, every time you're going out into the world and guest blogging, you're essentially putting your personal brand out there and your personal brand, you can't tell people that you're a wizard, that's something they'll say about you. Yes, But that's thanks. not something you can tell them that you are. You did not wake up with the ability to have stars shooting out of your fingers, and unless you are, you should A, probably go to the hospital, or maybe you're a Disney character, in which case you are more than welcome to put wizard in your, in your bio. But unless it is actually happening, you have not earned the right to call yourself a ninja or a wizard or a guru. The
1: that is the strongest best practice right there is just think about your author bio. If you wouldn't say that in the first, if you would not introduce a crowd with your author bio based on how you would talk about yourself, then, then don't do it. Like God. be like... Yeah. Think about it, how you would say it out loud to somebody in a conversation. And if you, You're right. If you're calling yourself a wizard or a ninja, they're
0: not going to take you seriously.
1: Like they, They're already they're, rolling
0: their eyes. They're rolling yeah. their eyes so hard they're falling onto the floor. But do you know how great it would be Like if you or I could walk up on the stage at Inbound in September being like, hi, I'm Liz Murphy and I'm just a champion. And we're wizards. That'd be so cool. If
1: I find out what yeah. session you are in the back when you produce it, I'll just yell, wizard! like just (laughs) uh, so that you don't have to call it out for yourself. But, but I, but I think that's probably one of the strongest things that I explained it in the course of like, not, not, uh, do not calling yourself something. I did say actually eyes rolling, but like, I think you even said it better of like, if you can't say it out, if you can't say it out loud naturally to somebody in a conversation, then don't write
0: it. A hundred percent. And then the other tip that, is really fascinating to me is that you said include a high resolution um headshot but you said to have it be more casual and I know most people when they're submitting headshots I even did this recently for a submission I did for an article where a reporter wanted help on like how do you come up with blog ideas I ended up giving my work headshot and it sounds like I shouldn't have done that what should I and why is that
1: it's it's definitely not something that it's not like the, the be all end all, like you can definitely use a professional headshot. Um, And a lot of people might want to, might want to go that front. What I tend to do is I, I want to give something that personalizes who I am. Now you don't want to give yourself like chugging a beer or something. You want to still be professional, but I think um, unless you're writing for a beer blogging in that case, maybe that is what you actually go with. But I think in this case, You want to choose a height, like for my uh, guest blog, uh, author bio, for all the ones I do, I have a picture of me from when I was traveling on the road at, at the Badlands, which was like one of my favorite national parks. It's a professional looking photo, but it, it shows you a little bit more about who I am. It's a little bit more interesting, just like the, the guy who reached out to you about the fairy tale ideas. That's my, that's my goal is I want to intrigue and create a, a different experience for people while well, not, not in a way that's taken away from the content, but like I, that's why I generally talk a lot about outdoor themed um, uh, writing in my ideas because that's, that's who I am. That's like the way I like to experiment. So it's like, whenever you read a piece from me, I might be educating you something on whatever industry, but I'm probably going to tie it back to an outdoor theme thing because that's my shtick. That's like what, that's what my passion is. And I want people to feel that. So that's, that's where that comes from.
0: Interesting. So I know you listed a bunch of other best practices here, but we want to leave a little bit of mystique and a little bit of mystery to the course itself. But are there any other top level best practices you want to highlight here about guest author bios?
1: Yeah, you want to make people easily find where uh, where they can engage with you. Uh, Twitter is my main public profile that I engage with everybody. I don't even really get on Facebook anymore. I I feel like everybody doesn't get on Facebook anymore really like when you think about like we, it became such a habit that I haven't got on and even if I did get on like I wouldn't want that to be a place where people who don't know me are coming and engaging with me so we mm-hmm. said to private so the way that I recommend it is end with where people can engage with you and don't just tell them like find me on Twitter like say find me on Twitter and then say what your handle is and make your handle the link that actually goes to your Twitter profile so I think that's helpful to do it that way. LinkedIn would be a little bit different. So in my in my Twitter profile, or sorry, my guest blog author bio I have, you can find him on Twitter at Champion or on LinkedIn. So I have LinkedIn that goes to my LinkedIn page and I hyperlink my actual Twitter handle. So for people who want to send people to Twitter, that would be like my one tactic for you.
0: Great. So we talked about a ton today. So we've talked about, why guest blogging isn't dead. Sorry, marketers who like to declare everything dead. SEO, blogging, the internet, everything. Uh, it works. Just don't do it like an idiot is kind of the banner headline there. We talked about the importance of getting all of these pitches together. But before you even pitch, like create that folder of base drafts. Then you go out into the world, build those relationships, focus on a relationship building mindset, not a, how quickly can I get to the pitch mindset? It's kind of, it sounds like it's more of a long game. And then once you're in the door and you're already approved and, and giving people these amended versions of those base drafts you've created, you got to give that kick-ass bio, but that's a lot of tactics to keep in mind. I know me where I listen to podcasts and I get so excited and I'm like, I'm going to do all of these things and it's going to be so great. And I'm somebody who listened to podcasts with Jim and I'm like, I'm feeling good and it's great. And I, as soon as I get home, I'm like, I'm not going to write that list. I'm a hundred percent just going to sit here and watch season 10 of law and order for the 18,000th time and not move for like 15 years. And then I'm going to forget everything and not do everything. So if there's like one thought you want to jam into the brain of anybody who's listening right now, if they remember nothing else about what we've talked about today, what is it?
1: Focus on creating value for yourself first. Uh, the only way that you're going to be successful with having with guest blogging, getting opportunities to get your content, your brand yourself out there is you want to make sure that it's ultimately trying to provide value back to the business, especially if you're trying to recommend guest blogging as an approach. um, You want it to be a byproduct of what you're already doing successfully. So Mm -hmm. bringing it back to the pillar content or creating, but and even defining what pillar content is, is in my mind, it is an educate, it's an in-depth Educational resource on your website that is uh, trying to become the go-to source on a specific topic. If you can do that, that should be the first thing. Don't even think about guest blogging or anything else yet. You can go through uh, this lesson when you get to that point. But the first thing I would would love everybody to do is focus on creating the best piece of content possible on your own website because anybody in your organization is going to want that. And then the way you promote it is how. Uh, You pick, you take that piece of content apart and then you can get the opportunity for guest blogging. So you want to provide value for yourself first.
0: Justin, if people have 18,000 questions and they want to get in touch with you, how do they find you when you're typically out and about in a truck, in a Winnebago, in an Airstream, somewhere in Houston or in Alaska or wherever it is that you're going to end up next?
1: Uh, I would say Twitter is the best place. That's what I check most frequently Um, and again because that's my like public profile that anybody can engage with me it's it's easy it's at justin our champion and i have to say one funny thing you mentioned a winnebago so the truck is a little out of commission right now went on a a vacation almost got stuck in the keys but but you called it you called it this is where you're a wizard i'm just going to call it out because i found a 1993 ram 250 van winnebago model I bought it. So that's what's, if I go out this year, which I'm trying to, that's going to be the new uh, updated travel fleet with the Airstream. So the truck is being retired and it's turning into a Winnebago van.
0: I'm just going to call you Justin Champion Griswold. That's who you are now. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if you guys want to get in contact with me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Naptown Pint. For a while there, I kind of flirted with, oh, I'm going to have a separate thing for Content Lab. I'm just not doing it. It's about me. It's all about me. I'm an only child, so just come and talk to me. Um, And speaking of me and how great I am, don't forget to leave a review for the Content Lab on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever carrier pigeon is bringing you your podcast on a weekly basis so other people can find me and learn also how great I am. And with that, until next week, I say good day.